So, Greg, if we look at pet food as a category, it's a growing category, but it's also very, very crowded. So if you look at Well Pet's past success, and also if you look into the future on staying successful, how big, how big a role does innovation play in, in uh, both your past and your future success? Well, it's been a huge part of our of our past. Um, you know, we are, we are known as being one of one of the companies that, that that has brought a lot of innovation to the natural pet food space. It's our goal, really, to to be part of this journey with with consumers. So, as the consumer is evolving, we are we are trying to understand what their pain points are, what their needs are, and and you know, predictively be, be ahead of the solutions and meet them there. When the consumer, when the consumer is ready for for the particular product, I would say the the freeze dried and kibble product is is really a great example of of something from a recent past that I was explaining earlier, where you had this consumer need for more real um, meat, visible um, textures that they can see, and you know, we were we were able to invest um, at really the right time in the assets in manufacturing and know how. Um, to be able to produce those products, bring them together with our existing kibble facility, um, you know, did some really neat things from a manufacturing standpoint to be able to blend those products together, which was which was quite a challenge, being um, so different in density. This is C to C, where we cover innovation in the food and CBG business from conception to consumption. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, we're very happy to have as our guest, Greg Keen, who is VP of Innovation and Product Development at WellPet. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate you uh, having me. Yeah, and so let's let's uh, jump right into it. Let's let's uh, get our listeners some information on your on your personal background. What, Greg, tell tell the folks what made you decide to get into innovation and R and D and and also specifically the pet food industry. Sure, I could I could trace back. Uh... I think the foundings of, of my interest in this area, all the way back to a kid growing up um, in, in, a, in a home that had a, a real array of different uh, food cultures going on. My mother's half Lebanese and then has um, Slavic and Russian on one side. And she just, she was an amazing, she is an amazing cook. She doesn't cook anymore, but um, she, she did a really fantastic job of bringing that culture alive in our house um, through, through ethnic foods and, and they were equally delicious and amazing. Um, so we really, we grew up in an environment where food was part of, part of the culture in our, in our background. And, and it really, it really stim- stimulated an appreciation for ingredients and presentation of, of products. On the other side of my family, my father's side, his mother was, was, uh, an, you know, an artist really when it came to making desserts, pies, cakes, um, as well as traditional foods. And um, I think it really just inspired my, my, my general love of food. I mean, most people like to eat, but uh, I had a, have a real appreciation for um, really the, the assembly of it and putting it together. And, and uh, really, in the end, seeing how much it could delight um, human beings and, and really bring uh, joy to them. Um, both in terms of how uh, things taste, but also how it, how food brings um, people together. So jumping, you know, way 
way uh, many years uh, in the future. Um, I didn't. I did not know that something called food science existed. I didn't know that was a major in in college. Um, I was originally studying to be a dietitian, and I really love the uh, concept of nutrition and the interaction between what we eat and how that affects our our uh, biochemistry, our physiology, um, mental mental state of being, and so on. And um, I was I was quite excited as a student of nutrition, but I kept passing uh, at the Framingham State University this this door that said food science pilot lab. And after about you know, three times, I'm surprised it took that many times. I was like, I just I need to know what's going on behind that door. Um, and one day, um, about a year into my nutrition major, I, I knocked on the door and there was a, a gentleman, Dr. Robert Beck, who's just a brilliant uh, nutritional biochemist chemist and um, food scientist, um, kind of explained to me what food science, what it is and its impact and importance in the human um, food supply chain. And uh, literally the next day, I ended up uh, changing my major to food mm. science and chemistry. Um, which was really an amazing, you know, very fateful uh, sort of meeting and encounter with Dr. Beck and uh, really changed my life from uh, that point um, that point on. So my, my uh, upbringing led to me eventually studying uh, food science um, and that, that really, you know, started my career um, in the food industry, um, giving me the opportunity to first join an uh, organic foods company that was focused on soy products, um, tofu, soy milk, and different types of meat analog um, type products. And for two years, worked as a developer there, um, really sort of honing honing skills in terms of um, working collabor collaboratively with um, marketing teams, operations teams, um, and, co and learning, you know, how to work with co-packers through the development process. Um, but what I, what I found after two years um, was that while I love the world of um, food science and development, um, I kind of I knew that if I needed to, um, if I wanted to sort of expand my, my knowledge and understanding of the food industry, I kind of had to force myself out of the comfort zone of just being in the world of, of development. Um, so I started looking for a job in uh, the operations role and applying for different jobs. And in New England, um, specifically Massachusetts area, there, there are not a ton of food companies. Um, but one of one company uh, really kind of caught my eye um, called Old Mother Hubbard, which has now um, become WellPet. And um, I saw that they were, they were making dog food and dog treats, and that just interested me. Um, quite a bit um always always love having um a dog and and the interaction between dog and consumer and just felt like that was that was a really neat area to um, um neat industry to be involved in um and they took a chance on me and gave me a job um my first job there was as a copac manager so i i, I was uh, successful in leaving product development and moved into the operations role um, managing co-packers, um, which is really um, another another you know great I would say great event in my life. Getting to meet so many um, really talented people. Uh, the pet food industry is full of uh, these multi-talented self-starter entrepreneurs, 
um, that just uh, really care about their employees and care about the products. And, you know, they, they know how to run a business, but they also know, know how to, you know, you know, make electrical wirings and um, turn a wrench and figure out how to fix things within their own facilities. Um, it really, really an amazing um, group of individuals that I got to interact with um, for two or three years, day in and day out, firefighting, doing strategic sourcing, pricing, continuous improvement. And uh, um, during that time of the business, we were, I was really focused on scaling um, our, our um, manufacturing capability because we were 100% co-packed and we were growing, you know, with a compounded annual growth rate in the 40s. So um, I was, I was, I was continuously busy keeping up with, um, with, with volume there. But that was really from, uh, you know, that's really the story from growing up eating, uh, eating kibbe and, and hummus and tabbouleh to, uh, to making pet food. If you could string that together. <laughs> well, the co-packing side is very interesting because so many new products and uh, disruptive and startup companies do have to go that route for obvious reasons. Um, so tell us, tell us now a little bit about WellPet. So, you know, what, what are, what's the company's overall strategy, for example? What are, what's, what's in your, what's in your portfolio of brands and what makes the company different? Sure. So, so WellPet, uh, we, we are, we, we are one of the leaders in, in natural pet nutrition with um, um, several great brands, Wellness, Whimsies, Old Mother Hubbard, Sojo's, Holistic Select, and Eagle Pack. Um, really, our strategy uh, is to be the brand that's, uh, that's here for the consumer. We're highly, you know, that's highly invested in, in their pet's well-being mentally and physically. Um, consumers that are, you know, choosing, choosing um, these products that communicate, you know, their needs, um, which are really having their pet, their pet be, be at the best, you know, throughout their whole life. Um, our strategy is really to be, you know, approachable, transparent, and engaged with our consumers. Key differences, you know, versus, versus some of our competitors are really, number one is our product breath. We have one of the largest portfolios of products uh, across cat and dog. And our goal here is to ensure that we have uh, not only the right nutritional profiles, but also flavor um, and variety for all tastes and textures that that uh, um, really will satisfy you know any any pet out there. Another key dif differentiator is is we're very strong um, in the non kibble and kibble plus category. So you know the, the traditional uh, um, type of feeding is is through feeding kibble type products, um, which we're we're very strong in and we do we do very well, but um, you know, a number of years ago, we started seeing that uh, and hearing from consumers that they were looking for something just a little bit, a little bit more, um, it's more satisfying and um, a different type of protein quality that they can visually see real meat pieces um, to also give, also give their, their pet. Um, so starting um, about, uh, it was about 2014 or so, we got into um, the freeze-dried um, category, and in 2016, acquired a business um, for both having, you know, having a great brand that was already in um, this space, but also to to acquire the assets so that we could make our own freeze-dried um, products to satisfy both our own own needs for um, the products that already existed under the Sojo's brand, but also to use 
the capacity to make freeze-dried components that we can add to kibble, um, which has really led to one of our most successful product lines, which is Core Raw Rev, which is which is a kibble plus the freeze-dried um, component. I'd say the last thing that 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 uh, you know one of the things we're we're really proud of um, that differentiates us that that maybe not may not be as visible is um, is our accessibility as a brand. Uh, we have our own consumer affairs team that uh, that uh, um, comes in every day and, and answers answers calls and is available um, to respond to consumers in in less than 24 hours, um, whether it be a nutritional question um, or if they have you know a, a complaint um, or want to know where to buy our products. Um, we have real live people answering the phones and responding to people. And that's uh, that's something that just makes us uh, proud. Uh, we have an incredible, incredible history as a founder in the natural pet food category. Prior wellness pet food, there were earlier versions, even of these diets that are on the market today with the same natural philosophy, using the same high quality um, ingredients um, that predated even the, the wellness brand name. So the, the 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 products are rooted in a very very long history. Um, we also have uh, a lot of rigor in our testing and qualification um, of our of our products. We use you know the fundamentals of science and process um, applied to natural recipes um, to support the well-being of, of dogs and and cats. So another thing we're very proud of is that uh, most of our revenues. Um, do come from our um, own plants that self-manufacture our, our products. Um, we have a, a kibble production factory in, in Indiana, um, as well as a freeze-dried facility in South St. Paul, Minnesota, and our injection molding um, facility for our oral care line in, in the Netherlands. And lastly, I'd say one of the one of the things that uh, really sets us apart is our is our people. I'm, I'm biased here. But uh, energy and passion from from my colleagues, whether at manufacturing, our consumer affairs team at our office, or or um, getting uh, getting to know any of the folks um, out in the sales team, everybody when they start talking about their pets, just absolutely lights up. So, Greg, if we look at pet food as a category, it's a growing category, but it's also very very crowded. So, if you look at Well Pets' past success. And also, if you look into the future on staying successful, how big how big a role does innovation play in, in uh, both your past and your future success? Well, it's been a huge part of our of our past. Um, you know, we are, we are known as being one of one of the companies that 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 has brought a lot of innovation to the natural pet food space. It's our goal, really, to to be part of this journey with with consumers. So as the consumer is evolving, we are we are trying to understand what their pain points are, what their needs are, and and you know predictively be, be ahead of the solutions and meet them there when the consumer when the consumer is ready for for the particular product. I would say the the freeze dried and kibble product is is really a great example of of something from a recent past that I was explaining earlier, where you had this consumer need for more real. Um, meet visible um, textures that they can see and and you know we were we were able to invest um, at really the right time in the assets in manufacturing and know-how 
um, to be able to produce those products, bring them together with their already existing kibble facility. Um, you know, did some really neat things from a manufacturing standpoint to be able to blend those products together, which was which was quite a challenge, being um, so different in density. Um, but in the end, you know, that that product uh, did and continues to fill fill a need and and really set um, you know Wellpad apart in terms of in terms of products like that and bringing those types of products to the market. From the, from an innovation standpoint at, at Wellpad, you know, it's 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 also about you know really forging the way for for future future growth. It's uh, it's it's an amazing way um, through through collecting insights and doing research to really be closer to the consumer. In the end, um, you know, they're they're making choices, and and you know, we want to be prepared to um, fulfill solutions for the choices that are most important to them, and and fulfilling their relationship with their with their pet. But lastly, you know, it's one of the one of the roles I I I believe innovation brings is it, it just it doesn't allow it doesn't allow an organization to to stagnate and get too comfortable or or complacent. It's really important. Um, you know, in, innovation provides a little bit of a little bit of tension and discomfort in an organization. There should be questions internally about you know are we trying to do too much too fast or have we gone too far. I, I want to hear those questions and doubts and have those debates. It sounds like there's a lot of innovation going on at WellPet just as part of everyday muscle memory. But how did that happen? Are, is there a specific set of goals that drive that? Is it a history? Is it a, the type of people that you hire? How do you how do you sustain that culture of innovation? The part of it part of it is, is absolutely through through the people. I mean, it's 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 it is embedded in our culture. I can you know, go back to the to the you know time when I was hired 18, 18 years ago. The founder the founder of Wellness was you know uh, <laughs> you had to be careful. You, you got into a hallway conversation. There may be you know three or four product concepts that uh, that came about um, in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could end up with you could end up with a really high volume of of, uh, of work on your plate. Um, which, which was both fun and, and ener- energizing, but one one of one of the things I, I like to do is is ensure that we're hiring um, people from you know diverse backgrounds who who um, aren't aren't just aren't just looking for um, a job but a profession and and part of being you know in looking at your your daily work as a profession is that is that you're 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 engaged you know you're 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 reading industry uh, publications but you're also you know online doing your own research you're you're curious you're you're driving you're you're driving yourself and um, you know I could honestly say I'm proud to be working with people that um, that are are driving themselves to to learn more not just about the world of pet food but um, but the world of ingredients human food trends um, are extremely important to us. So I would say that hiring people that have that drive and an innate sort of um, desire to learn is is critical. What what other qualities or or mindsets or talents what what other things do you think characterize top innovators that uh, that you've worked with over the years, Greg? One of the the key that I've seen from from individuals 
is having that innate desire to delight or improve the lives lives of others. Um, in in the end, you know that that's what we're striving for. Um, coming up with the being being the smartest person in the room or coming up with the best ideas is 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 kind of interesting. But in the end, if if it's not if it's not um, you know serving some you know some means in terms of in terms of uh, delighting somebody um, in the end, then then it it, it it it's less fruitful for me. Um, so you really want the you really want you know. Uh, I think one of the qualities is, is someone has their heart in the right place in terms of in terms of what they're trying to contribute to to the business. Greg, uh, how do you personally view success or or failure in innovation and any stories on on either side, the success side or the failure side, you can share with our listeners? So I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic person. So I, I you know, I, I see the inability to necessarily achieve a goal as a as a hurdle that uh, that could be overcome. Uh, overcome at some point. Uh, there's someone I work with uh, over in uh, Australia who talks all the time about, you know, uh, time and money. He could he could solve anything. Um, what I've what I've seen is is when you look at a failure in in business, the failure the failure could be you know the failure to have achieved the right sort of um, you know uh, you know price equation to get the product. To be profitable, or the failure to hit a timeline for you know a major customer um, that you promised a product to. I think the real the one thing I've learned over the years that um, there are there are uh, innate failures in in the you know innovation or product development process. I think the biggest failure I've I've seen within innovation has probably been um, the lack of uh, clear communication about risks. And, and ensuring that stakeholders understand the risks and, you know, the costs involved with a project, or or not having the right people involved, um, you know, bringing bringing in the right perspectives in alignment early early enough into a into a project. Um, I think everyone understands inherently that that when you're working on um, new products or or products that are truly innovative, that that. Um, they're innovative for a reason. They're not in the market today for a reason. So there, there is inherent risk there. Um, but I've, I've seen, I've seen, and I've, I've also been guilty of, I would say, painting a rosier picture, especially earlier in my career, about something that could be done, only to find out that it's, it's way harder. Um, you know, one of the one of the uh, biggest successes, uh, large successes we've had recently, re really is that that core raw rev um, product line. That was that was success um, for a couple of reasons. There was a multidisciplinary team that was assembled, and we just had we just had the right people in terms of in terms of sort of like a SWAT force um, working on the project. So we identified the right people who would be working on both the, the freeze-dried components, we had the right people working on the manufacturing process. We identified um, and the right, the at the time, marketing messages to the consumer on why our product was was different. And within, um, you know, it was probably one of our shortest times to market, somewhere under under eight months, we were able to, we were able to develop uh, the, the creative uh, for around packaging, 
around um, the consumer messaging and and internally develop a manufacturing process that would support support the entire supply chain from the raw material production right through uh, to the blending of the material in in our own plant. And that was that was the fastest product line for us to 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 get to in terms time wise uh, to get to ten million dollars. And uh, now it's now it's uh, continuing to grow at thirty percent. What ranges have you seen for different product launches? We, we've reacted, um, you know, it is is short in a short time frame is is five to six months. Um, it was a very 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 tight um, window to to get products uh, to get products launched and hit uh, customer timing. I'm I'm much more comfortable with the uh, 12 to 18 month time frame. Um, and in the in the end, what what I what I'd really prefer to do is, um, as the market is very dynamic and moving quite quickly, sometimes you need to react and you need to you need to um, you need to have an abbreviated timeline, and you may accept some risk. Um, but in 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 my you know my perfect world, um, we are we are we're so planful and have you know such great research supporting sort of the evolution of consumer needs that we have a we have a pipe a pipeline that um is is um allows us you know 12 to 18 months because we've planned it that way and um we have products staggered in a way that we're always delivering innovation um to the market but it's it's being done on our time because one of the things that um, I, I, I certainly won't jeopardize is we'll never launch and the company won't do this either. Um, Wellpet will never launch a product, um, prematurely if, if it, if it doesn't meet our nutritional standards or our food safety standards. So if it, if it's, you know, if we're delaying because, you know, um, we're qualifying either a manufacturing site or a raw material or, you know, we need, we need extra time to, ensure that the nutritional um, adequacy of the diet is is um, supported then um, then you know no one will like it but no one will have a problem not bringing that product to market because um, those two things food safety and, and the product nutrition are two things that uh, you know we, we won't sacrifice what we, are we some of the biggest that. ongoing challenges or speed bumps you've seen in your career? that slow down innovation and any tips for getting around those, any tips for compressing timeframes? The thing that takes the greatest amount of time is, is always the packaging lead time. We, we are typically looking at uh, um, the creative development is somewhere around two months, but once you, and you could, you could, you could fast track that if we needed to, but when you order packaging, you're always looking at a 12-week lead time from the time you take get that final art date to when you're going to receive that that packaging um, from from the packaging vendor. And that 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 three month that three month lag uh, is 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 the longest you know time in history for for anyone trying to launch uh, new products. One of the things um, that we've been exploring um, around. Um, around getting around that um, is depending on the product looking at you know some alternatives around digital printing where you where you uh, the cost is higher per impression but 
um, you know, you could order order less impressions and and have uh, cut that lead time down, um, you know, down to around a month or so. Um, so there, there are some things that you can do um, around that packaging lead time, but again, when you're when you're talking about some of the some of this the the at least in pet food, um, some of the things that you just you need to do to be responsible to ensure that the product um, has the right uh, amount of nutrients, at the right levels, um, you know, has has good 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 results from a product performance standpoint. There's things that consumers see, especially you know uh, you know uh, pet food, um, you know stools are are very important because uh, you know someone either you know walking with their dog on the sidewalk or um, or their neighbor's lawn, wherever it may be, you need to be able to, you know, pick up, pick up the stool. So we, we look for good stool quality and those types of tests just take, just take time and you have to run the product through your manufacturing plants and, and, um, you know, you can't just break into production at any time. So there's always th those, those things will always, those types of um, aspects of your timeline will always consume, you know, six months, three to six months or so. But, um, again, that packaging lead time just seems like it's an eternity uh, once you put that order in and you're waiting um, three months. So on this podcast, Greg, we talk a lot about a trend versus a fad. Uh, can you share any insights you've got or WellPet's got in terms of, you know, what to, what's next for the market and, and, you know, what might be the next big new trend versus maybe some fads that may come and go? Yeah, you know, so one of one of the things that it, about the pet pet food space is, um, and it's it's a it's a good and bad thing. Um, and mostly a good thing is that a lot of a lot of the you know more traditional retail outlets stores they they act they act as great gate, gatekeepers, um, and you know their their responsibility and role is is to be is to be the best partner for you know the guests people that that shop at their stores. And they're highly attuned to, um, you know, the pet food category and, and, and what's, what's good for pets, uh, um, what's, what's working. Um, and if they see, if they see products that don't, don't quite look, um, like they're going to serve their own customers needs, they, they tend, they tend not to be, you know, placed in the, in the stores. Um, so, so things that get a little, you know, too far out may may not um, may not may not get accepted um, widely in, into the into the pet food space, and in some ways I think that's a that that is a that's a good thing for for pets um, because I think it, it it allows people to take a step back and, and understand is this something that's really good for pets or not? I think a great example would be, um, and you know it, it I believe it's. Probably more of a fad than a, a trend. Um, some may disagree, um, but CBD in pet has been, um, you know, sort of the rage. You go to a pet food uh, major pet food trade show like Global Pet or Super Zoo, and you could you could kind of see what's 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 new and what's big, um, at least at least at the moment. And you know, CBD is one of those things that has has certainly um, been more of a fad part of that is due to some of the you know regulatory compliance issues around around feeding cbd um, um, to pets 
Um, but I, I also believe there's, there's some, some, um, you know, I guess skepticism in terms of, is it, is it, is it truly safe for pets? Um, so I think, I think some of the, some of, some of, some of these things that kind of come in, in kind of take the industry by storm, at least temporarily, it's good that there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of tension around those things to at least cause more, um, cause people to sort of think and do more diligence on, on whether what you're, what you're giving to your pet is, is helpful or, or not. Where do you see innovation and product development happening in this sector for the next five or 10 years? What I see is, um, I, I do see an, an increased level of, um, what hu the, the things that humans, um, desire, eat and enjoy around health, wellness, things that support again, physical, mental well-being. I see, I see the, the, that increasingly healthy, um, lifestyle expanding into, into the pet food space. Um, but specifically I see it increasing in more so, um, in the next five to 10 years into the fresh or frozen, um, space. Right now it's a small, it's a small percentage of, um, of the overall uh, market share of pet food, but, but I believe that will, that will continue, um, continue to grow, um, and be, be part of, uh, of, of what we see in the industry is, is, um, as innovation. What's next for well pet? You know, I, I don't want to, I want to give, give away too much in this competitive world, but, um, you know, our, our focus is, is not just, you know, providing the best food, the safest food, um, secure supply chain. Um, but our, our, our goal, um, in the future is, is just to continue to be a great partner with our, um, consumers, ensuring that we're there to, uh, to enhance the relationship. Um, with, with really part of, part of their family. Um, you know, uh, we also as, as partners with Best Friends Animal Society, which is a really an amazing organization, um, that's focused on ending pet homelessness. Um, we are, we are looking at, uh, potentially, uh, solving how do we, how do we create, how do we create foods that are both, um, extremely nutritious, but, help uh, pets that are um, coming into into their animal um, shelters with both providing great nutrition but also providing um, you know some some behavioral um, you know modulated type of nutrition to 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 make them um, you know better acclimated to be adopted out and rescued into into somebody's home. I want to thank my guest, Greg Keen, VP of Innovation and Product Development from WellPet. Thanks again, Greg, so much for being on the podcast today. And for all of our listeners, check out our other episodes, C2C, which stands for Concept to Consumption in the Food and CPG space. We're all about innovation. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. Just type in C2C, C-T-O-C, no spaces.